Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everybody, happy Christmas. It's September 25th, 2014, and obviously, uh, Dave Davies and I are not doing the show live today. We, uh, we're going to be doing Best Of, and here's an interview we did earlier this year with, um, with Dana Lukadu. For, uh, for those who don't know of our, of our listeners, um, Dana was in an accident, um, and, and in the interview, um, really we're, we're talking to her about those trials and tribulations. She's on the road to recovery, um, talking about some of the stuff that we can do. Laura um, LePay is on there, who had done a uh, fundraiser. Um, still, uh, still, you know, some some assistance needed from from everything I hear. So you can look her up on uh, Facebook is is a great way, or uh, or you can look up her site and um, there's some some ways to offer some some assistance or, or just some moral support to her there. Um, and you can find more uh, more on her story coming up right now. And we are honored to have her join us on Webcology today. Dana, welcome here. Oh, thank you, Jim. I have to say that I rarely find myself speechless, but after an introduction like that, I, I'm almost without words. Thank you. Well, I, the, the, perhaps I did the job too well, because this is radio. We need your words, and it's so wonderful yeah, to hear them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's, um, actually, it's great. It's great to be able to even talk because early on, I had a collapsed lung and I was whispering for a couple months. Yeah, uh, I guess the very first question is one that anybody who uh, who cares about you wants to ask: How you doing? Oh, I'm I'm just thanking God every day that I'm able to get up and move. And they said they. On day three, they wanted day three, to have a family, they want to have a family conference to prepare me for a for life in a wheelchair. And my husband said, "No, we're not having that conversation with her. She's too goal oriented, and don't take that away." And I'm glad he didn't because now I'm able to walk with a walker and a little bit with a cane, and I can't help but simply just be overjoyed every day I wake up. Well, this is going to be a long journey. Um, you're light years ahead of where you were on uh, after the first couple of weeks. You're light years ahead of where you were after Christmas. How, how long until you have um, – how long until you're back on your bicycle? <laughs> I asked myself that yesterday, and initially I thought, oh, a couple years – and I'm not sure how long, no one can, the, the problem is there's no crystal ball when you have a spinal cord injury. And so instead of setting dates as goals, what I'm doing right now is setting the activities as goals. And what one of the goals right now that we're, uh, people have been very generous to help with, obviously uh, they've been you know, helping with the medical expenses, but two goals is we want to get, a recumbent bike, a stationary recumbent bike, oh, right. so I could practice the turning of my feet on pedals. And that mm -hmm. will, since I haven't tried that, 
that will say a lot right there because uh, my right foot, my right side was more paralyzed. So my right hand is a challenge. So that's going to be a challenge for shifting gears. And then my, my hip flexor for my right foot isn't as strong. So we want to get in the practice of the actual turning of the pedals. And then after the recumbent bike, I'm looking to graduate to get this. This is totally amazing. A stationary bike that sits in your pool. It's called an aqua bike. And okay. that way you use the resistance of the water. And then I don't have to worry about falling off. And my, uh, I, I get body works, orthopedic body works massage. And the massage therapist, Jody McComas, came up with this last week and contacted the company and told them about my situation. And they're giving us a discount on one of these bikes. So it's all new. And I have to admit, it makes me a little bit nervous just thinking about even getting into the seat of even though it's not a real bike yet. But I'm excited. Yeah, you'll have to put up with Aqua Girl comments. You've already been called like uh, uh, Wonder Woman and Supergirl, so you have to put up with Aqua Aqua Woman comments. Um, I'll take them. I'll take them. I believe. Uh, please, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we also have Laura LePay on online now. I'm here. Hi, guys. You, you are Hi, well. Laura. By Hi. way of intro. By way of an introduction, Laura LePay has a seat among the most clever technologists and search marketers in our industry. A former Yahooligan, Laura is the U.S. CEO of SEO Gadget. She's worked with Nine by Blue as an independent consultant and as a circus performer. Uh, Laura also has an artistic streak. Check out her Facebook page around Halloween or just about any time for that matter. You'll, you'll know what I mean. She's also one of those people who do anything they can to help a friend. Recently, Laura created two works of art, which she's auctioning off at eBay to help with Dana's recovery costs. The artworks, which I've affectionately titled Headshot Panda and Blood-Teared Penguin, express the sentiment of SEOs around the world in a a simple but timeless design. Now, I haven't actually seen it for real, but I know it's art. Laura LePay, welcome to Webcology, and thank you for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank Um, you, Laura. This is... I, I, I like have the name. Interject here, thank you. Yeah, Dana, well, I, of course, of course. Um, I am a marketer. That's that's how I came up with these names, and I I, I do think Headshot Panda would make a cool band name. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Laura, why did you make band 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 these? What 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 why, why did you what? make the uh, the Headshot Panda and the uh, teary eyed pen the bloody teared penguin? I'm going to go and change the names of those officially on the, on the eBay um, listing. <laughs> so, um, well, you know, originally, I don't know. I mean, I, I, um, I've personally been going through some hard times in the past year or so. And, um, and I used to be an artist. Before I was a marketer, I, I did a lot of other things. It was mostly sports and art. And, um, and I kind of stopped doing a lot of that stuff. And, um, like completely pivoted in life and went and got married and became a search marketer. And, um, the, the artwork in terms, you know, of like building a career was, was all my, all my time. And, um, and so the arts, you know, sort of fell by the wayside, which is interesting because I saw my mom do the same thing. Like, you know, I saw her one day bring all her art supplies back out and I was like, and I hadn't seen them in like 20 years. 
And so, um, you know, I got divorced and I, I went through the past year, I've been going through just some, you know, painful stuff. And my outlet has been um, to get creative again. And so um, the I didn't know what I wanted to do in terms of getting back into art. This is actually kind of the first uh, other than this huge octopus I drew on my wall, it's like 20 feet. Um, it's, the, it's the first <laughs> art pieces I've done. I'd sell it if I could, if I could you know, I'm actually going to lose money on it because I'm not going to get my deposit back, I'm sure. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I wanted to do something kind of, I, I have this, this something inside me that's a little dark, you know, and um, but I like the cute, you know, the idea of something cute that's bleeding, I guess. Put <laughs> <laughs> it that way, okay. <laughs> um, and so I well, may, maybe, a, maybe they're a little bit of a self-portrait you're cute and you're going been going through some hard times yeah right yeah maybe there's something I think you're right Dina yeah yeah and mm -hmm. so I, I got out the sketchbook and just started with a panda for some reason I just saw like in my head I saw a critter that was like adorable and cuddly but you know um but tragic and so um uh, I just started drawing some some ideas of how I could hurt a panda and a penguin <laughs> and, well, the, um, in a sketchbook. The, the choice of subject, I, I thought, seemed kind of obvious. I mean, like, you know, why would an SEO be kind of ticked at a panda or a penguin? Uh, I kind of, I got that. So um, you're auctioning them. You're auctioning them at eBay. That's what, Right, yeah. I, so when I finished them, I didn't know what I was going to do with them because I, I don't feel like I need them. I mean... I, of course, the, the panda and the penguin are relevant to all of us that are in the industry. Um, uh, I actually think they, I really like the updates. I think it, um, it's done, I mean, despite what it's done to a lot of people, which really sucks, actually. Um, but the what's done for the web is a different story. And um, I don't actually feel the way that the, the, the art is portrayed, right? I, I don't actually feel like I, I'm, I'm not a panda and a penguin hater. Um, so I, I figured somebody else would probably, you know, like these more than I do. So I didn't know what to do with them. And I thought uh, this whole time I've been watching Dana and I've been watching the updates about Dana Page and, um, um, you know, because I'm going through all this mm. stuff, I'm going through, I have, I, I, you know, my, I have no money. It's all like in divorce and taxes and like, how could I help, you know? And um, it kind of just came together. I don't remember if, if, I think I was sitting around talking to somebody one night and I was like, I think I might just auction them off. And then it just hit me. I'm like, Dana could use the money, you know, Dana has to go stuff and, and has to, you know, I mean, I just had a shoulder surgery the other day and the bills are, are crazy. And I have like this great insurance, what you're going through, Dana, and, and the, the type of, you know, even if you had the best insurance on the planet, I know it's crazy, crazy expensive. And so, um, you know, I've been watching this and wondering how I could help. And it, yeah, it was just like, yeah, we'll auction them off and see if anybody, see if it takes, you know, see if we can get to that exercise book. <laughs> well, the auction went up yesterday. It seems to be taking the bid. The bid went from zero to three hundred and fifteen dollars. I think it's at right now. And if if anybody oh wants to see it, um, go go to eBay.com. Just type in Dana Lookadoo, um, D A N A L O O K A D O O. Up comes uh, the very first, the very first and only uh, item that comes up is the auction for uh, what will soon be named Headshot Penguin and Tear Eyed. I'm sorry, Headshot Panda and Tear Eyed Penguin. Um, and uh, yeah, bid fast, bid often. Now, how long is the auction open till? 
um, a week. So it started yesterday, and it's gonna um, it goes for seven days. So we'll, um, you know, we promoted it a bunch yesterday, and um, I think the last time I looked, there was 18 bids, um, a lot of page views, 18 bids, and um, and then you know we'll give it a little push again right before the end and um, see where whose office these are gonna end up in, and I think we'll probably you know. Um, do like I would assume probably put some more posts out there and say whoever whoever got them would love to see where they end up you know and um, get a little visibility around that probably you know probably, I'm sure there's gonna be links involved somewhere I don't know but link building yes they got one from me you know you can't have a panda and a penguin especially without link building <laughs> yeah especially a penguin. <laughs> oh, that's a good laugh. It's a very yeah, cute. As, you, as you were talking, I was sitting there and holding back tears. And oh, kitty. I am. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't believe I'm crying on the radio. <laughs> it's, okay. it's a fine medium for it. <laughs> I have been so... Thank you so much. You, I, Laura, you really put... A spring in my step. You just blessed my socks off. Thank you. You just have really at the, I was really struggling and I have great days and at hard times and I got your note and I couldn't say thank you enough. The words thank you don't express my full appreciation of what you did in my heart. Well, well, Dana, you, um, you in our industry, there's, I feel like there's people that, you know, um, we need to look up to and people who set a good precedent for, um, you know, what, how, how we should act in our industry. And, and, um, I've always looked up to you and especially your biking, my gosh, like the, I thought I was an athlete and I see what you're doing and, and I can't imagine how this must be affecting you because I know you live through your bike and um, it, this is obviously like the least I can I can do. Um, You're a fantastic person, I, you, are, I, you really deserve it. You know, if I can just interject here, I got we got to feel really good about this because in the last few minutes, two more bids have come in to the eBay auction. We're now sitting at five hundred one. Wow. Do I hear wow. five fifty? Do I hear five fifty out there? We got a panda. Both of them got blood on them. Blood on them. Blood on them. Do we hear five fifty? <laughs> Um, I want to get I want to get uh, serious for a second, and I'm you know it it sucks to talk about money. No one wants to talk about money. It's awful to talk about money and talk about need. But you know, this is the time to talk about it. Um, Dana, do you have a, a a sense of the kind of costs that are actually in front of you? I I have to tell you, my husband is shielding me from a lot of that. Ed and Alan have been more aware and. Um, there's quite a, there's quite a bit going out, uh, but can, I'm being a little bit shielded, and I think can, that that's probably the best thing. Is it safe to say they're substantial? Yeah, we have quite a bit of money going out on top of not being able to work. Uh, I would say the one uh, what is in, on top of the, the insurance cost. I'm doing a number of things that insurance courts, they do not approve of. I'm doing orthopedic bodywork massage, lymphatic massage, chiropractic, acupuncture, and uh, that's every week. 
So, uh, and, and then I'm, and with the amount of rehab, I am, uh, I'm not working very many hours and I miss it. I miss it so badly, but I can't sit in my chair too much. Uh, what we have coming up, I have to tell you about what may happen. I actually go next week for an evaluation that will be going, oh, it looks like I'm going to be doing a five week extensive uh, PT and pain management program that insurance only going to cover about half of it. We don't have the cost of that yet. The uh, It's going to be four days a week, 10 to four. So it's essentially full time. And that will include physical therapy. Uh, it's going to include biofeedback, Tai Chi and yoga, uh, meditation room, and that'll be for five weeks. And once I extend what the insurance has, I'll be doing a uh, physical therapy thing called Rehab Without Walls, where they actually come in and work with you, and their costs are two fifty an hour. And mm-hmm. insurance doesn't cover that. So okay, well, we don't again, it's, it's, it's never comfortable to ask about stuff like that, and it's certainly never comfortable to talk about it. But I, I, I wanted to ask because I wanted to... Well, to introduce a PayPal account to anyone who's listening, if you're not, you know, there's only one, only one bid is going to win Headshot Panda and uh, uh, Blood-Teared, Bloody-Teared Penguin. But you, if you're not, if you're not bidding on eBay, you can still help Dana out. Her PayPal account is found, is Dana at YoYoSEO.com, Y-O-Y-O-S-E-O.com. Please give, friends. Um, giving to Dana is giving to somebody who's paid it forward to such a degree. Um, <laughs> again, there's, innumerable is too small a word. Thank you, Jim. Um, well, you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not often lost for word, and I'm struggling to try to... Describe the impact, Dana, you've had on on our community. Um, it's been extraordinary. And, and the love has been tremendous. The cards that I received when I was in rehab, I was in the hospital for two months, uh, 15 days in ICU and then six weeks in rehab. And it my room actually became a place where people wanted to come and just look at the cards because they had heard about all of the cards covering the walls. <laughs> well, I, I actually heard a story that at one point the hospital was turning away stuff. You had so much coming at one on one day. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I know they were turning away visitors. <laughs> so that was. Uh, yeah. Oh, probably when. Oh, when I was in ICU, yes, they did turn away stuff. I could. Uh, people had sent flowers and uh, food, and I could because I was in ICU. Uh, at one point, the only people that could come in had to wear a a gown and caps over their hair, and uh, so. It was it had to be a very sterile environment because I was in neurogenic shock, and you know I could have gone either way at that time. We but, hear terms like neurogenic shock, and that just brings me back to that week of November fourteenth when everything must have been so frightening. But 
looking at it from the week of April 24th, Mm. what a difference five months makes. Yes, yes. And the memories of that week, those that I still have are there. And I had just this absolute peace that came over me. And that, that peace and that calm hasn't left to this day, even in the midst of dealing with nerve pain and you know, the, the portions of my body that don't work properly yet. I keep, and that's what I have to be very thankful for is Alan Blyweiss. Is, I don't know how many of you know, but I'm sure plenty of you know him. He has moved in with us. And he has not only become my caregiver, but he's become my counselor and reminding me that everything I say I need to be thinking yet. So, okay, I'm not, I'll be like, oh, I can't do this. And he'll say yet. And so that's where I'm at now is, is I'm, I'm not setting any limits or any boundaries. Well, when, uh, when we all learned that Alan was going to be moving up to, to be staying with you and Ed, um, I think a lot of us breathed a great sigh of relief. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the more trusted and respected members of our community. And uh, uh, I have no other way to say it. That brother came through. Oh, my goodness. Um, Dana, we have about one minute left in this segment. Um, Is there any message you want to give to the the community that, that, that clearly loves you so much? Thank you for the love that you've sent. And... Thank you for uh, the continued love. I still get cards from people. And thank you for reaching out. And Laura, thank you for this opportunity to be able to share with everyone. And I know that God's reached down and touched me. And I just want to pass on and thank everyone for how they've just reached down and touched me as well. And I, I plan to continue to confound the doctors through all this, and it's been the support. And I cannot tell you enough the encouragement. Like sometimes I'll get a message on Facebook, and, be, and I'll be in a hard time and be like, okay, that's it. I'm, gonna, I'm doing one more set of exercises. So, thank you. Uh, well, Dana, uh, Dana Lokadu, thank you so much for spending time with us and being an amazing inspiration. And uh, Laura LePay, I wish I wish we had more time to talk. I, I, I want to have you on the show for a whole bunch of other reasons. Um, <laughs> but thank you for doing this. Like, thank you yeah. so much. It's, it's inspiring. A, it's a huge, yeah, huge inspiration before and 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 after. Like, unbelievable, um, just unbelievable. So uh, this is the least I could do. I hope we can get you lots and lots of. Money uh, for, for all that stuff you're gonna have to pay for. <laughs> I really want to say that both of you epitomize the reason I love this industry so much, and thank you for joining us on Webcology. Thank you for having Thanks, Jim. Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, friends. That was uh, Dana, Dana Lukadu and Laura LePay. You're listening to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. It's the 24th of April. Stay tuned. Coming back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Web glitching. We'll be back after this short break. InternetMarketingINC.com is one of the fastest-growing full-service digital marketing agencies in the country, specializing in providing results-driven online marketing solutions. Internet Marketing Inc.'s passionate team 
prides themselves on staying ahead of marketing trends to create and implement campaigns that get more traffic to your website, gain positive brand awareness, and drive conversions. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. All-Inclusive Marketing is the luxurious five-star resort of digital marketing. Welcome to All-Inclusive Marketing. Engage with All-Inclusive Marketing's award-winning strategists to ramp up your online profitability and brand exposure, driving new customer acquisitions, increased sales, and stronger buyer retention. Another mojito, please? All-Inclusive Marketing's full-service digital and performance marketing accommodates every brand, specializing in retail, travel, and software as a service. What a great room. The A in All-Inclusive Marketing means award winning leadership, excellence and results, as well as an A rating by the Better Business Bureau. For reach, engagement, and conversion, it's all-inclusive marketing. Reserve a free consultation today at allinclusivemarketing.com slash radio. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. We're back. It's uh, December 25th, Christmas Day. Obviously, again, we're not in the studio. We're not doing the show live, but we have a great interview. Dave set this up with Terry O'Reilly, a marketing and advertising legend. Dave? Yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be one, and I, I hope you feel the same. And I know I'm going to be trying to get him uh, on the radio or on the show again this year to talk, you know, sort of what's happened over uh, over the past year. Um, but this was an interview I was looking forward to. I know you were. Um, I, I know our listeners at the time enjoyed it. Um, I hope that uh, our listeners on today's show also enjoy it. Some good, interesting information from a legend in marketing. Terry O'Reilly, welcome to Webmaster Radio. Well, it's great to be here. That was quite an introduction that I don't think I can possibly live up to. <laughs> uh, I have been listening to you since day one. You've done more for my career than almost anybody I can I can mention, and you've more than lived up to that introduction. You uh, again, you helped write my career. Um, well, you thank you for just, that. I, uh, I appreciate that. You also just recently published a book, The Age of Persuasion: How Marketing Ate Our Culture, and now let's. It's as good a place to start as any. Um, Terry, how did marketing eat our culture? Well, it, I'm very ambivalent on that topic, which is why Mike and I kind of wanted to tackle that, that book in, that, in the following. There is so much advertising in the world right now. There is too much advertising in the world right now. And I'm an ad man, which may sound strange for me to say that, but I've always felt that, that advertising is that strange industry where we create our own problem. In other words, we create a mountain of advertising, and then we spend every waking minute of our careers trying to break through that clutter. I can't think of many other, many other, you know, 
other industries that create their own gigantic obstacle, like advertising does. So when we said that advertising has ate our culture, that's kind of what we mean. You see advertising everywhere, inside golf holes, in urinals, on the boards of hockey games, on the sides of NASA rockets. And I read a little while ago that there was advertising now on condoms. I think when we've reached <laughs> that threshold, <laughs> they say that it is, you know, devoured our culture. So that's that's really the gist of the book. Now you you'd mentioned, and I'm just going to paraphrase because I don't have the exact quote in front of you, but you you like it, or you created the analogy of, of what would happen if if aliens had come down, like if they if they came, they they dropped down in our. Um, society right now took a look around what would they see and, and uh, noted that basically you would see brands and propaganda. Um, you know, that, that we see, you know, 600, I, I believe is the number you'd quoted, um, you know, ads every day. Now, you're, you're an Actually, ad man. 3,500 3, probably. Okay, so I'm way off there in, in, uh, in my number. So, okay, that makes it even, I guess, even a, a better question. What do marketers do, be it digital or, um, you know, more traditional marketing, you know, radio, television, print, what, what do you do to cut through all that to set yourself apart and, and make yourself unique in your message? I think there's, there's two general answers to, to that question. One is on the traditional side and even, and I'm a very, I'm a fundamentals guy. If you listen to my show, it's really, my biggest topic is really strategy what is the basic strategy of a product or a brand and then how does a brand build a wonderful image and, and really differentiate itself in the category. So <clears throat> first and foremost, every smart brand has to differentiate itself. That's the key thing. And that means you have to project an image and make a promise that is different from your competitors. My definition of a brand is very simple. is what does the brand promise and how does it differ from, from its category? That's really my simple definition of a brand. So a brand has to build itself, has to, has to uh, create an image that's, that's utterly unique, that emanates from the core of that product, and that's the start of differentiating itself, of cutting through the clutter. Next come, once you have your brand established, which is not easy, you have to create the advertising for it. So, the, so now we're talking about creativity. What's the most compelling and interesting and fresh and unusual selling idea that you can attach to your product, be it in television, in radio, in print, etc. So creativity is a huge part of that, and that's why the best creative people in the advertising industry make so much money, because it is, it is so rare to find a great advertising mind that can consistently, week after week, put out those kind of ideas. The second answer to that question is, is digital. And this is a whole new world, this is a whole new era, because digital is, to a large degree, about big data. It's about algorithms. It's about figuring out search on the web. So really, it's, in my mind, and I'm being generalizing here, it's less about creativity and more about finding the right person, sending the right message at exactly the right time. That doesn't involve creativity the way I'm talking about it in traditional media. It's really talking about crunching data and figuring out when that person is just about to buy a product and then trying to get a brand or a promotion or a coupon or a deal or a rebate or something in front of them just as they're about to make that decision, which is a different type of strategy. <laughs> you bring up an interesting point there, and I do that every day. As soon as I see 
promo code or something on something I'm purchasing online. Well, before I'm going to hit checkout, <laughs> off yeah. I go to find out that promo code and whether I can I can get one. You you touched on something that I think is is what I've loved about your show. I'm sure Jim will agree, um, and and it, it's into the book as well. Um, and and you mentioned this was your philosophy on it. You tend to cover a lot of the principles, um, which is I think the biggest value because everybody's scenario is a little bit different. But you can you can cover some of the some of the great principles of, of yeah. things, um, and you cover a lot. And, and have certainly been doing this long enough to know the history where where we were, where we are now. In fact, a lot of the the examples you pull are are from the past and things that were done and what would be done now. Do you find? I mean, I I love digital marketing. I do digital. Um, over traditional, but um, I know you're you're also passionate about the branding and and um, you know sort of reputation side of things. Is there an element of the online uh, marketing as as you're watching you know got to watch the transition where we may be getting overly bogged down with the the metrics you were talking about and, and all I, of that I, and and losing our getting our eye off the ball of of the more reputation and what marketing is meant to be. I, I do feel that way and. <clears throat> the reason I feel that way is my biggest mantra, my biggest philosophy when it comes to marketing is that you have to build a relationship with your customer. And you have to build a relationship with your potential customers. And I think that is where all the heavy lifting has to take place because what you really want to do is you want to build customer loyalty. You want to build brand loyalty for your service or your product or your company because it's too expensive to find a new customer every single day. Almost no company can afford to do that. You need repeat customers and you need loyalty. And my definition of brand loyalty is when somebody will forego a product at a cheaper price, forego a closer store location or an easier URL and cross town, go all the way across town to do business with you, even though you're further and more expensive, etc., because they, they, they just absolutely love your brand. They love what you stand for. So if you don't have that happening, if you're just purely transactional, which is what a lot of the digital world is, it's all about transactions. If you're purely transactional, then you're just competing on price, and you're, you're, you're really it's a dangerous place to be because if you only exist there, it can very easily turn into a race to the bottom and suddenly a company has no margin. And when you have no margin, you have no profit. And when you have no profit, how do you succeed? Well, and if you have no profit, you certainly can't be advertising, which would stink for all of us. Yeah. But at the, at, at the same time, Terry, I'm, I'm not sure who the quote is from. It's either um, Wanamaker or Mecklen. Um, you know where I'm going with this. Yes, one of half my advertising dollar is wasted. I just don't know which half. Yep. One of the beauties of digital marketing, one of, one of the reasons I got into into the digital world was I'm able to help my clients identify, you know, the the I think to a to a more precise degree the dollar value of their the, the their marketing investment. Um, is there a way to rationalize the world of traditional advertising, the, the television, radio, billboard, newspaper, with digital and come out with much stronger metrics that we can, we can give to our clients? Well, I do think so. And I think, I mean, you can't be digital for, for tracking. I mean, there's no, it, you mean it's, it's, it's the best it's ever been. You, you know exactly where your dollars are going and what your return is. I think a great marketer, it's always a mix. It, it's, it's really uh it's traditional, it's digital, it's customer relations. I always say customer service is marketing. 
it's not a separate division from marketing. How you treat your customers on the store level or through a website or through a health phone or whatever is marketing. A smart marketer looks at every single touch point, and I mean every single touch point to see how they're treating their customers and is there a really wonderful opportunity there. And when I say that, I mean, you know, how does what does your website look like? What's the first thing people click? When they phone your company, what do they hear when they're put on hold? What does your reception area look like? I mean, all of that. What do your business cards look like? Everything is a touch point. So I wouldn't just be digital. I wouldn't just be traditional. If I was a smart marketer, I would be making use of everything. And I mean, really what I'm talking about here is that great marketing is like a, I always say this, like a shish kebab. It's like, you know, if you look at a shish kebab, you've got a piece of pork, a piece of chicken, a piece of steak, a, a tomato, a green pepper, an orange pepper. So you've got all these treats, all these different treats in a line, but they're skewered with a consistent strategy. And they're skewered with a consistent tone and, and elements like if the voice in television and radio or the colors and design elements used on the web that, trans, that also translate to print advertising, etc. So you want all your messages regardless of the medium, to be interesting and compelling and fresh, and, but you want it all to feel like it's coming from the same place. That was a mouth-watering analogy. Um, if you, uh, I, I, by the way, I, I definitely want to do a, a cottage dinner at your place. Um, <laughs> given, given that analogy, can you think of a couple brands that are doing it right, that have the mixed, you know, the customer service, they got the touch points covered, they got the, the web covered, they have traditional, who's doing it right? Well, the obvious one that everybody points to, and I have a lot of love for, is Apple because I love their advertising. Their advertising is really clean, really smart, really product-focused, really customer-focused. You always know an Apple ad when you're looking at it, even though every Apple ad is very different. I love that they... I love Steve Jobs' whole platform. I mean, I, I you know I always point to 1984. If your listeners mm-hmm. have never seen that ad, that famous ad, if you if you go onto YouTube and just uh, search Apple 1984, you'll see the ad that Apple ran in the Super Bowl that year. Only ran it once, but look at the ad. Look at the message there because Apple and Steve Jobs established their platform for all time in that commercial that still underpins everything Apple does today. And that is that they were going to put power into the hands of the individual. It was no longer going to be, you know, IBM and Big Brother, etc. So that's really that, that rebellious streak has always been Apple's platform. And when you go into Apple stores, you see the Genius Bar, right? What's interesting to me about the Genius Bar is you sort of go there when you have a problem. But they're not there to fix computers. They're there to restore relationships. That's the key thinking in a genius bar. So here we are from television, from online to, you know, buying a beautiful Apple product. And then when you walk into the store, at the store level, at the human level, you've got a genius bar there that's just there to restore relationships. So if you have a problem, if you're losing your faith in the product, whatever, that's there to bring you back. So that's a pretty holistic marketer. Okay. Um, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the 1984 ad around with Super Bowl advertising, and that, that just made me wonder about the value we apply to certain venues um, back in 1984. 
advertising at the Super Bowl was was absolute premium. In 2014, advertising at the Super Bowl is still absolute premium space. My question to you is: Thirty years later, is the value of that space still as high? I think it's. I think it's a bargain. You okay. Four million dollars a thirty-second commercial, and, the, the, and by the way, just just jumping back to be quickly, 1984 really started the the era of Super Bowl commercials. That's an important thing to remember about that ad too. I mean, it was the first time my industry, when we looked at that ad in 1984. We had never seen an ad with that kind of production value before. It had the same production values as a movie. We had never seen that. We never thought that was possible in an advertisement until we saw that ad. So that ad really started the whole era to this day of, of big Super Bowl commercials. Why I think it's a bargain is because it's the audience size. Oxy- attention is the oxygen of every brand. And, you, and there's very few events left in this world where you're going to get 100 million people watching it. I mean, it doesn't, I, there's no other event like the Super Bowl. After Super Bowl, you've got, uh, you know, the Oscars and you've got NHL hockey, but you're not getting 100 million people watching it. So if you do the math on $4 million against 100 million people, it's a bargain. I mean, if your ad's good, I mean, your ad has to be good. It can't be a bad ad because you're wasting your money. But if it's a good, compelling, persuasive piece of work, Put before a hundred million people, that, that's a that's a pretty good buy. Well, and it's going to get dissected to death. I think um, the Super Bowl is almost as popular for the ads as it is for the football. No, I think it is as popular. I think you can make that. I mean, even on the next the next day, I think it's the front of uh, of USA Today. I mean, they actually on the front page they'll rank the ads. <laughs> I mean, when does that happen on the front page of a major newspaper? I mean, that's the kind of cachet the Super Bowl has. Um, you, you talked about Apple. Just a, an aside, the, if um, folks, you can just Google um, under the influence um, the the latest podcast that's that's available from there. You can listen to it. It's called Ambush Marketing, and I, I wanted to talk on that because you you'd mentioned um, Apple earlier, and that of course made me think of that show and and the brilliant um, Rona example, which yeah. um, you know, and, and which was just uh, I, I hadn't seen it. Uh, I looked it up after I heard that show and was just stunned at how brilliant that was. How do you come up with that? Like as, as, a, as a marketer, how do you know to keep your eye open for that opportunity and how do you keep that or is it just instinct? I think a lot of it is just instinct and opportunity. I mean, it's a very opportunistic strategy to be an ambush marketer. Now, in the event of the Olympics where, you know, Nike, as I said in that show, is the black belt you know, of, of ambush marketing. But they'll plan long in advance to ambush a big event like, uh, like the Olympics. But the Apple board for the nano that, that Rona used to ambush, I mean, the creative team was just driving home and saw it one night. And, they, and they, they were working on an ad that for Rona about recycling paint, and there was this great opportunity. So they had to scramble within, I think, probably 48 hours to make that happen. So... A lot of it's opportunistic, but the bigger events need major, major planning. Makes perfect sense. Now, a question I knew I needed to ask you, um, because it's one you, you talked about in, in a show that just it made me think on a, on a million different directions, and that was your show a, a few weeks back on psychology of price. Yeah. Um, whole, whole wax. I mean, if our listeners went and, and downloaded one, I'm sure you know, people would differ on which one um, held the most value. I Love that show. Had about a million takeaways from it. Um, one of the keys that I took away on that um, was anchoring. 
the, the idea of anchoring yeah. in place. And I, I've done traditional sales, so I, I understood anchoring. But on the web, it can be more difficult to do that. Do you have any advice for, for people, e-commerce sites and that sort of thing, on how do you get that same opportunity to anchor um, when you're dealing with a, with a website as opposed to uh, a more traditional environment where I can hand you a phone at $600 and mm-hmm. then show you the one at $99 if you sign up for a package? Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, that for your listeners, the concept of anchoring, of course, is when a marketer will give you an option on a product that is very expensive or more expensive than you thought the product was going to be, and then the next option they give you seems so much more affordable because it's much less money than the first one you saw. So they're anchoring your expectations high, and when you think, oh, no, I can't afford that, then suddenly they'll give you a second option, which is much more affordable. And in that, in that much more affordable product was really what they wanted to sell all along. So it's really, and I say even in court cases, lawyers will do that, where they'll, they'll ask for a multi-million dollar settlement. Let's say it's $4 million. The jury may not give it to them, but they may give them $3 million. Now, if he went in at two, the jury might have given him one, if you know what I mean. So they anchor a high price to sell something else. So that's the concept of anchoring. Um, I would say I'm not sure if it differs so much online. I haven't been asked that question before. I think it, I'm not sure it differs so much online than offline. In other words, you really, I think you, if you're going to use the concept of anchoring, you want to give people a premium price on whatever that product is, on if it's online, on you, you know, if, if people are shopping on your site, etc., and then give them um, other price options. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's it's really it's not a complicated concept, but it's it's a very interesting one. I, I use in that show. You'll remember this, Jim. That in that show, I talked about how um, that appliance store had a bread maker, Williams and Sonoma. That wasn't. They put a beautiful bread maker on their shelves, and it was. I think it was, I don't know what it cost. I'm going to guess it was like you know eight hundred dollars, and people just couldn't afford. It just wasn't moving. So then they put another one on the shelf at about half that price, and suddenly that you know that those started flying off the shelf. So you know the expensive one was was just used as an anchor, and then the next one was what really sold. So if you just translate that to digital i just think it's it's a, it's really price sensitive it's it's a price issue it's really it's really about offering different options um i want to we only have a few more minutes left in the, in this interview terry so i want i want to go back in history a bit back in march 2007 in your first season of age of persuasion you aired an episode co- entitled the youtube Revolu- revolution Citing trends in media usage by advertisers, um, you know, the, from the rise and fall of radio and television advertising to viral videos and non-media idea advertising. Now, you would have recorded that episode almost seven years ago to the day. Mm. How much has changed in advertising focus in the last seven years? Wow, there's a big question. <laughs> well, enough that I, that I changed the focus of my show. So that's one of the big reasons that my show changed from the age of persuasion to under the influence because so much had changed since we started the show. So one of the big things was that the web changed everything in so many ways and turned the the marketing world upside down. And the biggest part of that was a lot of transparency. So you could get behind a company with a couple clicks of your mouth. Like a company suddenly had to walk the walk and talk the talk in a way they never had to historically. If you wanted to complain about a company online and leave bad feedback, it hangs out there forever. 
it's not like you just sent a letter, licked a stamp, and sent it to the president, and he reads it and throws it in the garbage can. It isn't like that anymore. So that changed everything. Brands had to sit up straight, listen to their customers, and respond. And that was that's why I said when they started to market now, they couldn't just use media tonnage, and they couldn't hide behind the wall of one-way conversation anymore. Now it's definitely two-way. So that was the biggest change in marketing from the start of the 20th century to the start of the 21st century was it became two-way, two-way dialogue. A 12-year-old could reach the president of a company with an email. Well, a 12-year-old can mess up the company, the, the, yep. the, the president of a company with an email. Yep. And I, we, we've seen uh, the first thing that comes to mind is Applebee's, that terrible. Um, they had a problem with one of their servers, and it just turned into a social media nightmare. Yeah. How do brands stay on top of this without, well, falling for the same uh, pratfalls that, that you know, again, I'm, I, I don't mean to dump on Applebee's, but it's the only one that comes to mind, um, yep. without, without making that kind of pratfall? How, how do you stay on top of it? I think, you first of all, you have to really listen. You have to have somebody monitoring your social media all the time. I think that's the first step. And there's never even been, historically, there wasn't even those departments in, in marketing uh, companies. Now you have to you have to be listening all the time, and you have to respond genuinely. Sometimes you have to go hat in hand. You have to apologize as a company. A lot of companies don't do that. It sounds like 101, but they don't do it. They just pretend it didn't happen, or try and or you know get by it really quickly. The smartest companies stop, apologize, set out a plan to make it right, do things for their customers to prove that they they really want to win them back. I mean that's a whole process. That's not an event. That's a process they have to go through. So I think, I, I can't remember the Applebee's moment specifically, but Domino's had that problem where a mm-hmm. video leaked of somebody sneezing on a pizza and laughing and then sending the pizza out. I mean, it was a horrible PR moment for them. Although, if I remember correctly, Domino's responded, they, Domino's ate the Tylenol pill on that one and, and responded exactly as they yep. should have. They, did, they really did a good job. Now, that, 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 that brings up another question. We often see in traditional agencies today the uh, role of digital assistant, social media manager, um, webmaster assigned to some of the most junior people in the office. Yep. Why has traditional adverti- traditional agencies, why have they not picked up on the digital world the way that we in the digital world had, had hoped they'd well, pick us up? I, the smartest agencies have. I mean, they, they took a long time for advertising agencies to merge the traditional creative department with the digital creative department. Those are always two separate warring factions in an agency for the longest time. Now the smartest agencies have merged them, and, and in many cases, the creative director of the agency came from the digital side. So you're seeing that transition now. Why it's the younger people is probably two reasons. In many, in many instances, they, they have, they're more savvy with social media than people in their 40s are, if you want to make an age distinction. And secondly, it's probably financial, that they can bring on people with some degree of social uh, marketing knowledge, and, and they're quite affordable because they're young. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Now, You'd mentioned um, age distinction, which I, I, I think is a, an interesting, uh, an interesting thing to chat about. Because we're we're looking, we've covered a lot or, or discussed a lot um, some of the past and some of the recent examples, but um, we've got a different demographic of people who are just now. You know, I've I've got kids who are you know fourteen and sixteen. They're just about that age where they're going to have the credit card in their hand, and they behave very differently because of the the media culture that they have grown up in is very different than mine. Um, yeah. and previous generations, 
what are we looking at? Are, are we looking at a, a more difficult world coming forward, um, dealing with a, a culture of people who's far more desensitized and far more spread out than uh, than they might have been in the past? Well, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a different world. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's that great, you know, that great phrase where you're either a digital immigrant or a digital native. <laughs> and I'm a digital immigrant because I had to immigrate to it later in my life, whereas my kids are digital natives because it's all they've ever known. So their world is very different from, from what my world is going to be, and they're going to be in the power positions in about 15 years or 20 years. So that's where we're going to see a, a seismic change in everything from language to running, controlling networks, to controlling film, to controlling e-commerce sites, to being the CEOs of companies. is going to be the generation that grew up with digital as opposed to ones that transition to it. So you're going to, we're going to see everything change. We're feeling it now, but it's going to come in a huge way within the next probably, if someone's 20 now, by the time they get to their late 30s and they're in the power spots. Hey, Terry, this is probably the last question we're going to bring in time will allow us to ask, and it's the one that the most people wanted me to ask. You know, when I told people I was interviewing, this is the one they wanted wanted the answer to. There's a lot of folks who want to break into the advertising industry. They want to get a chance. They, they, they've watched Mad Men. They think it's sexy or something. I don't know. Um, what skill sets would younger people need if they're thinking of adver- entering today's ad industry? There's three departments in an advertising agency. There's the creative department, there's the account service department, and there's media. I mean, those are the three big departments. So you have to decide where your passion lies. If you want to generate ideas, it's creativity. So you have to walk into interview with a creative director with a portfolio of ideas and how you can generate selling ideas in digital, in traditional, etc. If you want to be an account service person, it's strategy. Strategy is your is your skill set. So you have to go in and, and demonstrate how you can develop a selling strategy for brands. And if you're a media person, which used to be the lowest totem pole in an advertising agency, and now it's where all the stars are, it's you are a media planner. You want to have a full understanding of digital media, of search, of television, of radio, and how to mix all of that together. So depending on on your passion, you have to walk into that interview with different things under your arms. Uh, Terry O'Reilly, host of Under the Influence, which can be heard on NPR. Sirius Satellite Radio and CBC. Uh, you can pick up the podcast at cbc.ca slash under the influence. Terry O'Reilly, thank you so much for joining us on Webcology today. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Great questions. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.